of those 82 times it's found in the book of Mark. There's a fictional story told about a turkey farmer. And he wanted to create the perfect turkey. He knew that uh, children love turkey legs, so he started to experiment. And in his experimentation, he hit pay dirt. He was so excited, he went down to the, to the general store and told all the townspeople, I've done it. I have created a six-legged turkey. The people were astounded. They said, well, uh, well how does it taste? The man kind of looked down and kind of shook his head. He said, uh, I really don't know. The thing's got six legs and it's so fast I can never catch it. I tell that story for one reason. Life is sometimes like that. Life can be so fast. It seems like we're always trying to catch up. It seems like we're always trying to catch up to life. Life itself can be overwhelming. What do we do? You know, life is full of frustrations and difficulties. And even when we do succeed, it's often more than we can handle. And that's especially true in matters of faith. Because as Christians, the Lord has asked us to do some things that seem to be way beyond our ability to accomplish. I'm talking about things like really caring for the poor. Or maybe loving an enemy. Or how about this one? Making disciples of all nations. How do we do it? How do we accomplish what seems in our minds to be humanly impossible? Well, when we are feeling overwhelmed, what do you do? When the task ahead of you seems to be unattainable, what do you do when life itself gets to be more than you can handle? You do exactly what the apostles did here in Mark chapter 6. Because in Mark chapter 6, Jesus is going to ask those apostles to do something that seems to them to be impossible. Chapter 6, verse 30. The apostles returned. Now they're out on a limited commission. They come back after working in ministry for some time. And they told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest. You need to rest. And rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. It's so busy. Ministry is so busy here that they don't even have time to to grab a snack. And Jesus says, come with me. Verse 32, they get in a boat. They go to a lonely place. You see, in Mark chapter 1, we saw Jesus doing the very same thing. He goes away to a desolate place to spend time in prayer with the Father. And now Jesus is taking His 
disciples with Him so they can rest a while. When life and ministry gets to be more than you can handle, when you are feeling overwhelmed, what must we do? We must trust Jesus to provide rest. Circle that word trust. You're going to see it pop up a lot this morning. We've got to trust Jesus to provide rest. We trust in Him. We trust in Him to give us what we need. You know, you can take a, you can take a bow and arrow. And if you always leave it real tight, real taut, what's going to happen? Eventually, that bow is not going to be as accurate as it had been in the past. Why? Because you're putting pressure on it all the time. What you want to do is you want to loosen it up a little bit. You want to give it a little slack every once in a while so that it can have a little bit of rest. In the same way, we must loosen the bowstring occasionally so that we can be fit for the Master's use. When life gets to be too much, when we fail to take the rest that our bodies need, we are in trouble. You know, when God was creating our world, He created on six days. Then what did He do on that seventh day? He rested. Was He resting because He was exhausted? Well, no, He's God, okay? He's God. He, he didn't need to do that. You know, He's God. What's He doing? He's setting an example for you and me. Jesus himself, you know, throughout his ministry, from time to time, he would go off to a lonely place to gather himself. He set the example. Remember this. If you don't come apart and take rest, you will come apart. We need that rest. We need to, to stop speeding through life and slow down occasionally before we crash and burn. When life and ministry seems to be overwhelmed, first of all, we need to trust Jesus to provide rest. And then number two, we need to trust Him again. We need to trust Jesus to provide resources too. We need to depend on Jesus. So often, what do we like to do? We like to depend on ourselves because, you know, we trust ourselves, you know. We trust ourselves to, to get us out of that problem, to, to fix it, uh, to take care of the need. And so often we fail to trust Jesus. We need to give the Lord what little we have and rely on Him to use us for His glory. That's what the disciples learn right here. Verse 33, Now many saw them going and recognizing them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had, what, compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things, and when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, Hey, Lord, we got a problem. We're out here in the middle of nowhere. 
We're in a desolate place and the hour is now late. Send these people away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and they need to buy themselves something to eat. We got a big crowd of people. We're out here in the middle of nowhere and they are hungry. The disciples were exhausted. It's the end of a long day and they had nothing left of themselves to give. So they asked Jesus, just get rid of the people. Supposedly so the people can go get something to eat. Now, that large number of people, it's going to be kind of even hard for that to be a reality. What does Jesus say? Jesus says, verse 37, But he answered, you give them something to eat. Don't send them off. You give them something to eat. What is Jesus doing here? Jesus is asking the humanly impossible. He's asking the humanly impossible. We've got, we find out later here, we've got 5,000 men. We assume there's women and children. We know there's at least one little boy there. So we assume there's probably women and children also. We've got a large number of people. And the, the disciples, they have no physical strength left. They're tired. And as it turns out, they have very little food. The only food they can find is a, what I would call a, a picnic lunch. That little boy had. Some fish and some bread. So what does Jesus do? Jesus has them to be seated, and He performs a mighty miracle. You see, Jesus took what little they had. Jesus took what little they had and multiplied it. He performed a mighty miracle. In fact, other than the resurrection, this is the only miracle recorded by all four gospel writers. Who was this miracle for? Well, you're going to say, well, it was for the people, for that crowd. Well, yes and no. The miracle was for the people. Yeah, they got all fed. In fact, they got so much food there that they had 12 baskets of food left over. Reminds us, hey, each apostle got one basket, you know. That much food left over. But this miracle is more than just for the people. The miracle was for those disciples and for us today. To remind us that Jesus can do the impossible. What in your life right now seems to be impossible? Does it seem to be impossible to reach a family member, or a friend with the gospel? Does that seem impossible to you? It's not if you trust Jesus. Does it seem impossible for you to grow in knowledge? You, know, you think, well, you know, I just can't understand that Bible. I just can't understand that Bible. It's beyond me. 
It's not impossible if you trust Jesus. If you trust our Lord to help you, will you trust Him? Jesus is teaching here. He's teaching us. Even when we don't think we have anything left to give, if we will give what we have, He will multiply it and use it to meet the needs of many people. Not just our needs, but those around us. But it requires trust. What's trust? Let me give you an example that we all have seen probably. If you've ever had a small child in your home, I would imagine that sometime in having that small child there, that child will be on the bed. And, and maybe that child is jumping on the bed, you know, how small children will jump on the bed. And you walk into the room, and what does that child do? That child says, catch me. And what do they do? You jump off the bed, don't you? And your daddy or your mommy or your grandpa or whoever it is, they catch you. Why does that small child do that? It's trust. You trust that you'll be caught. We need to trust in Jesus. Let's never let limited resources ever hold us back. Let's never let limited abilities ever hold us back. Let's never let limited time ever hold us back. Let's trust in Jesus because Jesus can make the difference. Finally, when Christ asks us to do the impossible and life seems to be overwhelming and we don't know where to turn, let's trust Jesus to provide reassurance. Let's depend on Jesus to bring us the peace that we need in place of our fears. Let's not be afraid of opposition or what people might say or what people might think. Let's trust in Him. That's what the disciples had to do here. Verse 45. Immediately, that's one of those times there. Immediately, he made his disciples to get in the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. You know, the crowd is now full. They're all fed. He tells them, you go home now. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up to the mountain to pray. Now, there's a lesson right there for us. If Jesus felt the need to pray, how much more? How much more do we have a need to pray? And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, this is late, very late, 
He came to them walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them. I don't like that translation. He meant to pass by them. That's not a really, really good way to translate those words. Because that right there sounds like that he's just going to walk by them and leave them stranded. You know, like you, pass, like you see someone on the side of the road, they're broken down, their car's got problems, you just pass by them. That's not what Mark wrote. What it means is to pass by and be by them, to join up. It's like the Holy Spirit when Jesus was telling his apostles of the coming of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit would walk along with them. Jesus is going to be right there walking on the water along with them. Why? To give them reassurance. Don't worry. I'm here. I'm not in the boat yet, but I'm here. I'm here. Just be calm. It's okay. What happens with these disciples? Verse 49. But when they saw him walking on the sea, their faith has not grown to the point yet. Their faith is not strong yet. When they saw him, Jesus, walking on the sea, they thought, they thought, well, it's Jesus. Hey, hey Jesus. No, they don't do that. They think it's a ghost. O ye of little faith. They thought it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. Jesus was coming to them to give them reassurance. But their lack of faith was causing them to be afraid. But immediately, once again, immediately, but immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Take heart, it is I. Literally, here's what Jesus is saying. Take courage, I am. Remember I am from the Old Testament? Jesus himself is revealing himself as the great I am. Jehovah God the Son, the all-sufficient one, the one who is everything we need. That's why we never need to be overwhelmed. We never need to be afraid. Because Jesus is there for us. Verse 51, And he got in the boat with them. And what happens? The winds stop just like that. He is the master. And they were utterly astonished. And Mark tells us, for they did not understand about the loaves. They still don't have enough understanding. They still don't have enough faith. Bottom line is they're not trusting Jesus enough. Their hearts were hardened. The loaves should have taught them something. The, the fishes and the loaves should have taught them, hey, with Jesus, 
Everything's going to be cool. Everything's going to be okay. Don't sweat it. But they still do not trust Jesus enough. Verse 53. When they had crossed over, they came to land at Gennesaret and moored to the shore. I find it interesting that Jesus took them there. This place, it's a it's a it's about two miles wide, it's about four miles long. It's south of Capernaum on the northwestern shore of Galilee. Why was it important? It was called by the rabbis the Garden of God. They also called it paradise. It was a beautiful place. A gorgeous place. And Jesus takes his disciples there. Because that's what they needed at that time. Verse 54. And when they got out of the boat, the people immediately, once again, recognized him. And and ran about the whole region and began to bring the sick people on their beds to wherever they heard he was. Jesus continues his ministry. He's like the energizing bunny. He doesn't stop. He's mindful of the needs of his disciples, but he knows he's got a limited time to do ministry. And he's going to accomplish as as much as he can. Again, he's teaching his disciples a lesson. It's a lesson he would have us learn as well. Nothing can stop us from doing God's will. Not a lack of resources, not even a storm that scares seasoned sailors. What is your storm of life? Maybe you've heard the doctor say that word. Cancer. Maybe your storm is the death of a family member. Maybe your storm is family issues, marriage problems. You name it, we have storms. But with Jesus, we can weather the storms. In fact, it's in the storms that we are reminded how much we really need the Lord. Let's invite Him into the boat with us. Let's invite Christ into our predicament and let Him do His thing, which is to bring the impossibilities and make them a reality. He will get you to where He wants you to be. And He will accomplish the Father's will through you. The psalmist said in Psalm chapter 138, The Lord will fulfill His purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. You know... Here's something that you may, not, may never have thought about. That number 5,000. That number 5,000 doesn't just appear with this miracle. The number 5,000 
happens another place. When the church was established, the first widespread persecution happens in Acts chapter 4. But note that that storm of official persecution began after the disciples had won about 5,000 people. That's what it says, Acts chapter 4. I wonder, perhaps the apostles recalled the storm that followed the feeding of the 5,000 and that must have encouraged them with the assurance that Jesus would come to them and see them through the storm. Dear friends, let Jesus do the same thing for you in your storm. Trust Him. Trust Him to turn your problems into praise. Yes, you heard me right. Trust Him to turn your problems into praise of God. Trust Him to hold you securely in His grip, even during those terrible, horrible, no good, very bad years. When life gets overwhelming and you feel like God has asked you to do the impossible, don't lose heart. Instead, trust. Trust Jesus to provide rest. Trust Jesus to provide resources and trust Jesus to provide reassurance even when the winds are contrary and you can't go any further. As a little boy, I can remember my uncle being the main song leader for the congregation. And one of his favorite songs to lead for the invitation in that old book, it was a Stamps Baxter, I'll never forget, Stamps Baxter book, song number 126, Trust and Obey. Because if you trust Jesus, you're going to obey Him. So what did Jesus say? He said in John 14, If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So what does Jesus expect? He expects us to believe in Him, John 8, 24. He expects us to repent of our past sins, that is Luke 13, 3. He expects us to confess, Matthew 10, 32. He expects us to be baptized, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. I'm going, to, I'm going to say to you, if you do not obey, then you can't say you trust Him. If you fail to obey Him, you can't say you trust Him. As Christians, do you need to seek forgiveness? You know, sometimes as Christians, we can... Uh, you know, we want to hold on to Jesus, but then we want to hold on to the world. And we get kind of stretched out so tight. You can't do that. You've got to trust in Jesus. You can't trust the world. God will forgive if we will only seek His forgiveness. 1 John 1, 9, this church stands ready to pray for you and with you. I'm going to have elders down here in the front. They're they're waiting for you to make a decision. 
Jim's got a song to encourage you. It's our prayer that you will obey, that you will trust Him, and become a New Testament Christian. Become a faithful New Testament Christian this morning while we stand and sing for your encouragement. Wait.